Shane, are you with us? Do I we? am. And I'm trying to see if Lisa is there. Lisa, are you there on the phone? I am. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, both of you, for for being with us uh, so we can talk about the Food Tank Summit coming up in Chicago. And, I, and I'm going to go right to my cheat sheet here because we have, we have all the information that uh, uh, we have been gathering about this if my computer would actually cooperate here. And I know you've got Here we are. Uh, it's November 16th, 9 to 5 at the Gleacher Center at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Um, and if you're wondering where the Gleacher Center is, um, basically it's right next to Tribune Tower. It's at 450 North City Front Plaza Drive. Um, you can get your tickets at foodtanksummit.com. The theme of the summit is we can change the food system. That's why we have our two guests, Lisa Moon from the Global Food Banking Network and uh, Shana Harris from Farmer's Fridge. We'll get to you guys in just a second, but I want to let folks know that there are a couple of major partners on this show. The Chicago Council on Global Affairs and the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Uh, It turns out that Organic Valley is the sponsor of the Facebook live stream. Mm-hmm. I think we got to give them three dings. I'll give them all dings for helping out uh, with, <laughs> with the summit. Um, and apparently, now I, I can't figure out the numbers. They sent me two different numbers. Maybe one of you guys know, but uh, we'll have uh, uh, Danielle on the show next week, uh, Nirenberg, who's the president of Food Tank, and maybe she can give us the exact numbers. I one of the pieces of information they sent me said they had a, a million organic Facebook live views when they did their summit in Sacramento last month. The other one said 15,000. So that's, that's kind of a huge difference. Uh, but re- I was just counting the California summit, uh, Mike, and, and they did mention a million views. It was like a big um, breakthrough moment for them, big milestone. So I, I think that million number is accurate. Wow. Okay. Well, that, that gets a beer ding. Ooh. All right. Uh, and uh, uh, Barilla USA is hosting the reception slash dinner, and you know where that is, Peggy. Italy! At uh, 43 East Ohio Street. That's 6 uh, to 9 p.m. again. That's on the 16th of November. And there's a reception right before that for folks who don't want to attend the whole dinner. Right. Uh, and so I think I've gotten all the required stuff out of the way. That's, <laughs> all, that's all the time we have, folks. Uh, Good night, nice everybody. Talking, ladies. <laughs> Great job. Uh, well, they, <laughs> there's a lot going on, um, obviously. Uh, let's, let's start with you, Lisa. Uh, you are the president and CEO at the Global Food Banking Network. Um, tell us a little bit about the Food Banking Network. I could do that, but I've already spoken too long. Um, uh, tell us about the, the Global Food Banking Network and why you're involved with uh, the Food Tank Summit. Sure, sure. Well, well thanks so much for the opportunity to join um, this conversation. Uh, you know, I, I used to work in agriculture um, and really think about ways that we could be um, sustainably increasing the, the food that we're producing. Um, you know, but as I worked more on those issues, it really was stunning um, to learn that we waste about a third of all food that is produced. Um, and that food waste has, you know, stunning environmental effects. Um, it's the third largest contributor to greenhouse gases globally. Um, and that doesn't even include all of the um, resources and the labor um, and the funds that are wasted to produce that food. 
Uh, and so the food banking is really a model to try to take that food that is um, poised to be wasted and redistribute it to those that are facing hunger or struggling with food access. Um, and that's quite a few people. It's uh, one in four people in the world are malnourished. Um, and so the Global Food Banking Network uh, really exists to see food banking as a model, um, you know, spread across the world. Our network includes food banking organizations in 32 countries. Uh, and last year, um, that network rescued about 930 million pounds of food um, to distribute it to 6.8 million people in need. Um, and and the, the model works. Um, in a lot of different contexts, in a lot of different communities, um, and with so much food being wasted, um, we really believe that there's a real opportunity to scale and not only have environmental um, impact, but also reduce hunger. You know, I hardly know where to start here because, um, first of all, you're working not just on a local level, but you're working internationally trying to do this. We had Rob Greenfield on the show. Are you familiar with him? He's, yes, yes, I am. Yeah, the dude with a purpose. I mean, the dude, you know, <laughs> and he's, and I think he just finished wearing all of his trash yeah. for 30 days. Mid-October mm-hmm. he finished, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in, in uh, New York City. And, and, and he's, he's a guy that goes around the country dumpster diving uh, and can feed himself that way because so much of food yeah. is thrown away. And yet we're here in the city of Chicago, and, you know, this, I have to get this out there because this is me. Um, in a city that barely will pick up your yard waste. In fact, you know, got rid of the program, and now they have an opt-in program just for yard waste. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of food scraps. Mm-hmm. In fact, next week, very interesting, I'm going to have uh, Erlene Howard on from Collective Resource. Uh, you folks may know her, um, she goes around the city picking up food scraps and making sure they get composted. We're going to have also on the same program uh, Kay McKean from Scarce out in DuPage County. Hmm. And their whole deal is to recycle and reuse everything as much as you possibly can. So you, Lisa, are, are first of all, you're dealing with a country that doesn't know how to reuse and recycle. And, and in many cases doesn't seem to care. Yeah, and and not only so, not, you're, you're starting with that point with the, the richest country in the world, in the history of the world, that doesn't care. And now you've got to take this message around the world and convince other countries as well. Uh, how, how does that work? Right, you know, that's, that's the, the great dilemma. Um, what we've really found, though, is that even though... Uh, people kind of think that, you know, food, the, the supply chain ends when you when you go to a, a grocery store, when you go um, to a, a restaurant and purchase the food. Um, but the reality is, from a business perspective, um, whatever food is wasted, that has to be disposed of. And there's costs with that disposal. And obviously not just environmental costs, but also financial implications. And um, we work mainly in emerging markets, and we find that this is especially true in emerging markets where there aren't as many outlets for food recycling as there are in um, the United States and Europe. But one thing that we've really found a lot of success with, um, and those in our network have, is, is talking about the financial implications of disposing that food. Um, because the reality is, is with the food banking model, you um, can you know, mitigate those costs. And in some countries, depending on the policy environment, you actually get um, tax incentives to donate it. All right, um, where? So from where? a financial perspective, 
it, it makes sense. Tell me where. where. Which country should I move to so I can get a financial incentive for it? <laughs> sure. So, so um, obviously in the U.S. and in some countries in Europe, there's, there's strong incentives. Colombia actually has even – it's the best um, incentive system in the world because not only do you get to write off 100% of uh, the value of the food that you're donating, there's actually kind of a, a surcharge on that in terms of what you can write off. So it's an additional 25%. Um, and actually, just last month, Bulgaria, um, they didn't exactly establish an incentive per se, but they eliminated the, the VAT tax because a lot of times people who were donating had to pay VAT on their donations. And so that was just waived. Um, but I would say if you're going to relocate, Mike, you should go to Colombia. You should get a, <laughs> an extra tax incentive there. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I don't speak that language or the Bulgarian either. So uh, You'll do just fine. Yeah. Uh, well, but it's, it's, it's good to know. It's, those are not... Two countries that would have come to mind, my mind, if somebody had said, all right, who's really good at incentivizing um, reuse of uh, food scraps and, 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 and uh, saving this precious resource? And <laughs> Colombia and Bulgaria? No, I, I don't think I would have gone down that road. Uh, all right, let's, let's go to Shana uh, because this – Shana, you present another side of the food – Tank Summit, um, because you are the chief operating officer at Farmer's Fridge. We were talking earlier in the show, I don't know if you heard it, but Peggy ran into one of your machines or your, what do you call them, installations? We call them fridges. Fridge, so they're fridges. Okay, so. And I didn't run into that. But no, I turned the corner. I was at Merchandise Mart. I turned the corner. I was like, wow, there's there's the Farmer's Fridge right there. And it was a, the, the double one, too. Fabulous. Really cool. Yep. Yeah, so explain to folks listening what a farmer's fridge is. Yeah, so a farmer's fridge is a friendly fridge in your neighborhood, school, office building, hospital, where you can go get a fresh, healthy meal uh, made daily, very vegetable-focused menu. Um, you know, we source locally from farmers in the area when we can. And what we aim to do is bring people a really nutritious, delightful, um, delicious meal very conveniently. And so we've got about 50 fridges in Chicago currently, um, including some of the locations I mentioned. So we're in Evanston High School, the City Colleges, Northwestern Hospital, number of office buildings downtown, the Merchandise Mart. We've also recently opened in O'Hare Airport. And the idea is that, you know, fresh food, um, it shouldn't, shouldn't be the exception. It should be the norm. But as we know, you know, a lot of us go to grab a quick lunch um, during a break at school or at the office and... It's not as easy as we would like to find really fresh options. And so what we do is we produce um, salads. We've got about eight different types of salads, um, very unique combinations where we put together some surprising vegetables. So this month, our our salad of the month um, features delicata squash. So we're trying to introduce consumers to really great um, vegetables and fruits that they might not um, normally know how to eat or, or what to combine them with. Um, And you can basically find this very conveniently uh, where where you live or work, and it's in a mason jar format, so easy to kind of carry and transport, throw in your backpack, um, and eat when you're you're ready to eat something healthy. All right, all right. So we we have to explain a few things here because uh, that might get folks uh, interested, but I imagine the word you don't want to hear or the phrase you don't want to hear is vending machine, right? (laughs) So we we do sell, um, we we call this our fridge. It's 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 not a vending machine. It's a fridge. fridge, But it it, it vends. It's an automatic. (laughs) It takes credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. Takes credit card. You go up. There's an interactive touch screen. 
Um, so you're not interacting with a the person. There's a touch screen where you can, you know, choose what, what you want to eat and it vends out very quickly. So that's what makes this so convenient. The machine or the fridge footprint is small. And so that's why we can be, um, you know, in, in a hospital at night when the cafeteria closes um, in a convenient place where nurses and doctors can pick up a meal. Um, or we can be in the UIC library. You know, students want something quick. There's not really room for a quick service restaurant there. And so the fridge is a really convenient option. And they're not buying Cheetos. Exactly. No <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos there. No, no. flaming hot Cheetos. You know, and all it does, it just gives you orange lips. And, you know, you really don't want that. For us, you can get orange lips from our squat. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, connecting to what Lisa mentioned in terms of food waste. So, you know, for us, this is really about democratizing access to healthy, fresh food. And we see that kind of all the way through our chain. So we're in surprising places. We're at very, very affordable prices for fresh salads and, and hearty snacks. And we we donate um, all of the, the excess food that comes back from to our kitchen. So we partner with a local organization called Zero Percent. And they um, will donate to, you know, food pantries and after-school programs around the city. So, you know, we want to make sure that every last bit of our food gets enjoyed by somebody along the way. Uh, That was going to be my next question. So you've you've answered that. Peggy? So I was reading a little bit about your process that everything's delivered fresh every day. By 5 a.m., you guys are delivering. Where are you sourcing all of the foods from? That is a great question. So we so we partner with a number of local suppliers. So that ranges um, from Mighty Vine Tomatoes. So that's a hydroponic farm um, on the south side of Chicago. So we've got fresh tomatoes in our avocado BT. We're, uh, we're, we're hoping to have them on the show when they open their new facility. They were gearing for December, which I think is a great time to, to open a facility that's going to grow tomatoes, especially in, Chicago. in Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Out in Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. So we, we partner with, um, with companies like Mighty Vine, um, you know, artisanal cheese producers. It's just a really great, um, operation because we can feature with this rotating jar of the month, we can feature, um, different, different products and bring those to consumers. Um, you know, and then we also partner with, um, traditional suppliers like Cisco and we're actually the largest buyer of organic um, spinach in the city of Chicago, mm. according to Cisco. So we, um, we're, we're trying to do as much as we can to really support a robust, healthy local supply chain, um, and also invest in sustainable sourcing practices. So how did you come up with the idea of doing the farmer's fridge? It's a great question. So our founder, um, Luke Saunders, launched the company about three years ago. He was a traveling salesman um, across the Midwest in a prior lifetime and really found it um, impossible to find a healthy, fresh meal while he was on the road. He, he was frustrated by that. So he started to think, you know, what if fresh, healthy food were as easily accessible as McDonald's? McDonald's has an incredible format where they are serving millions of people every single day around the country. Mm-hmm. So he started Farmer's Fridge with this idea of democratizing fresh food. And that really is, is the mission, to make you know, this fresh, wholesome food more convenient than it's ever been. Mm. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, and the fact that you can put it into to practice uh, with your fridges, not mm-hmm. vending machines, your fridges. Uh, well, okay, so the two of you are, are participating in the Food Tank Summit. And by the way, let's... Uh, Let's uh, give that a, a plug uh, one more time. Uh, and, and we will, again, um, November 16th, 9 to 5 a.m. at the Gleacher Center in Chicago. Get your tickets at foodtanksummit.com. Um, a bunch of folks, I mean, I have, they, they sent us a list of people who are going to be presenting and speaking, including uh, Rick Bayless, and, uh, Frontera, and Alicia Black, uh, Chicago Council on Global Affairs, 
Um, looking at some of the people. Well, Bill Daly is going to be there. Uh, Monica Ang from WBEZ. Um, uh, let's see, Karen Lehman from Fresh Taste. Uh, uh, Daniel Nierenberg, as I mentioned, who, oh, Jonathan Pereira uh, from uh, Plant Chicago. I'm working with him right now uh, on uh, doing a benefit down there for the Illinois Recycling Association. Harry Rhodes from Growing Home, Jim Slama from Family Farmed. Uh, most of those people have been on this show before. Uh, so a lot of, lot of great people. So that takes me back to you, Lisa. Uh, what is it you hope to accomplish in a day-long meeting uh, here in Chicago? Sure. You know, well, one of the great things about Food Tank is that they bring so many voices to the table that um, that should be part of kind of the mainstream dialogue on food and are part of that, but um, don't necessarily have the same amplification as um, as other players in the food system. So, uh, so I think what's really exciting about the agenda that Danny and her team have put together is that you kind of have people working all across the supply chain, um, really kind of driving towards this idea that the way we are um, supplying food right now isn't working. You know, there are literally nearly a billion people who don't have access to nutritious foods on a on a regular basis. And on top of that, we have a lot of environmental constraints. Um, and and if if we really are going to be you know ramping up in population in the next 20 years, we've got to really think about how we're going to produce food more sustainably and make sure that every single you know. Um, uh, ounce of food that's produced is, is getting on people's plates um, in a nutritious way. And so I think that um, kind of by bringing all these players together, we're going to be able to have a really lively conversation with all different aspects of the supply chain about about how we do democratize food access. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't have it right in front of me. But, Lisa, are you on one of the panels? I am. I am. I'm the one on the one uh, that Bill Daly is moderating. Ah. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and there's two of us who work mainly internationally on that panel um, and then uh, several people that are working locally and then nationally. And I think what's exciting about that is that no matter where you are in the world, you're kind of everyone's grappling with with the same set of issues. Mm-hmm. So it should be a really interesting discussion. Yeah. Jim Slama, Mel Coleman, Eleanor Starmer and Alexander Borshaw will be joining you as well on that panel. Yeah. And uh, so same question for, for you, Shana. Um, you, again, you know, you're, you're not an NGO. You're, you're a business. You're trying to sell a product. Um, what is it that you think you can accomplish at uh, the Food Tank Summit? Yeah, you know, very similar to Lisa. And actually, my background is a bit, is a bit of a mix of, of private and public sector, and, but really always with this objective of, you know, um, ensuring that we can source food sustainably to feed the future and that people can access that and everybody has access to it. And so I really do feel like the the opportunities and the big challenges that we're facing in the nonprofit sector, um, in, in the sector and the issues that Lisa is addressing around food waste and food recovery um, and, and feeding people sustainably. Um, and then the challenges we're facing as a fast-growing company, you know, to make sure that we um, have access to markets and, and really can invest in um, bringing food to kind of unexpected places mm-hmm. that 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 can happen. That really requires collaboration across a number of different sectors. And so, um, you know, for us, we've been partnering with um, suppliers and, and, and starting to talk to farmers who are, are, are providing us with our food and saying, you know, how do we ensure that our purchases make us an, an investment that ensures that those types of businesses can grow? Um, how do, you know, partnering with 0% in terms of food waste and recovery, you know, as we continually work to minimize waste 
coming out of our facility and coming back from our fridges, you know, how can we continue to partner with an organization like Zero Percent? Because those food rescue and waste issues are, um, are are pervasive. So even as we address those within our own business, there's a lot that we can contribute to ensuring that food does get to, to people who um, who you know deserve a right to to eat healthy food. And so I, I you know just just what Lisa said that. The, the challenges are, are, are so big, but there's a lot of innovation within all of our sectors. And I think having the opportunity to come together, hear what each other are doing, and there can be some really surprising and uncommon collaborations that come out of those um, instances and those moments. So really looking forward to the Food Take event to, to learn from others, to share our story, um, and you know, really continue along the innovation path. Did you attend the, um, this is actually the third summit that Food Tank's doing this year. There was one in Washington and one out in California. Did you attend either of those? Yes, I, I did. I attended both of them. Um, Farmers Fridges sponsoring the, the meeting okay. and um, the Farm Take Summit in Sacramento was just fabulous in terms of bringing together really the food production um, farm piece of the story and the kind of private sector companies trying to turn that food into something great that people want to eat. And to be honest, I mean, I told Danny this, I, I found it to be one of the best food conferences um, that, I, that I attend all year because there's she really, really strives to bring together you know, activists and executives and um, nonprofit voices and farmers all in the same room to say, look, we've got a common goal. These challenges are so critical that we can't see each other as enemies. We have to see each other as allies. And I found panel after panel, um, you know, one of the ones that sticks out was on sustainable protein. She had one of the founders of Nyman Ranch, um, you know, speaking uh, with a food journalist, speaking with a, an alternative poultry farmer, um, and then an executive from a, from a large company, um, large meat company on the panel as well. And, you know, you find it a space for really respectful dialogue, really encouraging a lot of listening and excellent moderation to start to get to some of what the core of the issues are around bringing people together for solutions rather than, you know, kind of seeing each other's adversaries. So it's um, really was a fabulous, fabulous experience. For it's me. what we call biodiversity. Right. Yes. <laughs> Except uh, homo, right. sa- homo sapiens biodiversity. Well, and speaking of diversity, let me ask this question: What is Food Tank doing to make sure we're asking the questions of diversity in the, in the U.S. here? Uh, yes, thank you, Peggy. How are we How are we addressing um, with Food Tank and a lot of these discussions, reaching all the communities? And, and and I imagine that's a, that's a goes to Lisa, because this is what you do when you're dealing with different countries and different cultures, right? Yes, yes. You know, I I, um, I think that the conversation around food access is, is changing a lot. Um, and the other part of the conversation that I think is really interesting, and Food Tank has done a lot um, to highlight this, is how what are we doing to make sure that the people that are working in the food system you know, have fair wages and um, also have access. You know, the, the greatest irony, and I know you all are having Roger Thoreau from Chicago Council on um, in a few, I believe it's next week. Next um, week, yes. And he'll talk a lot, yeah, he'll talk a lot about this, that some of the hungriest people in the world are farmers, um, and they're farming very small plots of land. Most of them are women, and they just don't have um, access to the sustainable practices, Um that they need to really increase their yields and, and then sell the food that they're growing at a fair price. And so um, when you have, you know, half a billion people working in the food system that are actually growing the food and they don't have, you know, access to a nutritious meal, I mean, that's that's really the ultimate dichotomy 
um, and the ultimate irony. And so I think that one thing that Danny's done a great job at Food Tank and doing and that I think so many of us are concerned about who are working on access issues is really making sure that all the food that we're producing is reaching the bottom of the pyramid. And a lot of times that the, at the bottom of the pyramid, there are farmers. I, I thought that the, your comment that uh, farmers don't eat as well as they should is kind of revealing, Lisa. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if you look across, so the hungriest people in the world um, are residing in sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. They're living in rural areas and they're working in agriculture. Um, and those are the people that, I mean, that are the most food insecure. Um, they don't even have access to enough calories. Um, to is, it, is it because is it, life. is it because they're not growing a, a variety of foods? Is that you know? Is this are we talking about monocultures here, and the, and they can't put that on their table? Is that part of it? Part of it is the is the fact that they're growing food that is less than nutritious. But the other part of it is too is that you know to to really to have a diverse diet. Um, you know, there's some things that you can do in Africa and South Asia related to home gardens um, and diversifying your um, plot. But at the end of the day, what you need a lot of times to diversify your diet is income. And, um, and so these farmers obviously are relying on selling what they grow, and there just isn't a market for their products. Um, or when they do sell it into the market, they're just getting, you know, a rock-bottom price. Um, and, uh, and that's really, you know, due to a variety of things, but I, I think you're right, Mike, you have to take kind of a two pronged approach to this. One is making sure that what they're growing, um, you know, is nutrient rich and diverse. But the second thing too, is just making sure that when they do go to sell their product, they can get a decent price for, for it. So they can, you know, they can really have the income to purchase what, what they aren't able to grow at home. And uh, as you mentioned, Roger Throw, Senior Fellow, Global Food and Agriculture at the Chicago, hello, Chicago Council on Global Affairs, uh, will be here next week with Danielle Nirenberg, uh, the president of Food Tank. And, and I guess my big question for both of you is, if I get to know her well enough, can I call her Danny the way you guys do? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's I imp- important stuff here, you know. I, I got to get the heart of the matter. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a question came in for Shana on oh, Twitter. A question's pouring in. Hold on. Questions are get, coming get in. Um, when somebody purchases a tasty meal and has a mason jar left, can they bring it back to you and return it? They can, actually. All of our fridges have a slot to recycle your jar. A lot of people reuse them. Actually, we find some fun Pinterest pages with, um, you know, what do you do with, with a, a mason jar, and people have done some fun stuff with the farmer's fridge jars as well. Somebody recently told me, I've held on to mine for a year and a half. I make my own salads with it. Uh, but that's, uh, but yeah, that's good because they're not, they're not a glass, by the way, are they? They're not. They're, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're plastic, and, and they're um, all recyclable components. So the jar, the lid, the label peels off very easily. Yeah, but even better is the, the idea that it gets reused, I would think. Uh-huh. Absolutely, yeah. So that, that's really fun. There's a lot we want to start doing to play up that aspect of the jar as well. Yeah. Okay, so that's as you, you said. We need the, the creative uses of the uh, the jars uh, out of the fridge. So, so. And yeah. send us your photos. We'll post them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Will. Uh, well, uh, Lisa Moon uh, and uh, Shana Harris. Uh, I guess I'm going to see you guys on the 16th in person. 
Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Peggy and I will be at the Food Tank Summit. Uh, and again, go to foodtanksummit.com if you want more information. Um, and, and we should point out that the you know, Food Tank has not been around all that long. It's, it's just a, right. a, a few years mm-hmm. old and uh, has gotten very big very quickly. Yeah. Started in Chicago. Um, everything starts yes. in Chicago. Ding. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> there we go. I got them both. Uh, so, uh, and again, as we mentioned, uh, next week, uh, on the show, we will continue our conversation, uh, about this with, uh, Daniel Nirenberg. I mean, I'm sorry, Danny, Danny Nirenberg, the president <laughs> of Food Tank and Roger Thoreau, uh, from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. So Lisa Moon and uh, Shana Harris, thank you so much. And, uh, we'll see you, uh, in a week and a half. Sounds great. Great. Thanks for having us. Have a Bye. W- wonderful Sunday.